0: Welcome back, our guest this week is Justin Winslow, CEO of the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. Our lead story, did Governor Whitmer miss an opportunity to advance bipartisan cooperation with the Republican leaders? On the OTR panel, David Boucher, Lauren Gibbons, and Kyle Malin. Sit in with us as we get the inside out, Off the Record.
1: Production of Off the Record is made possible in part by the following. Business Leaders for Michigan has a strategic plan to make Michigan a top 10 state in the nation for jobs, personal income, and a healthy economy. Learn more at Michigan's Road to Top10.com. And now, this edition of Off the Record with Tim Skubik.
0: Thank you very much. And thank you for taking time out of your busy holiday weekend with Moms Day coming up uh, to join us here on OTR with a great panel, David and Kyle and uh, Lauren. Uh, Kyle, there was supposed to be allegedly a news conference involving the governor and the two Republican uh, leaders over a grand bargain, which didn't happen. Uh, Did the governor miss a chance here to uh, demonstrate bipartisanship?
2: Well, according to the Speaker of the House, Jason Wentworth, and the Senate Majority Leader, the answer is yes, that they could have all gotten together and announced a deal that included uh, the easing back of restrictions due to COVID-19 uh, and uh, vaccinations. That was the plan that was going to happen. And But the Republicans also wanted to make, as part of this deal, something uh, involving the budget. They wanted to have some type of budget agreement, And they also wanted to to declare some type of ceasefire over the Senate, can and all her uh, appointments, which they did back in January. Uh, There there was an attempt to put it all together, but uh, they feel like the governor jumped the gun by going forward by announcing the restrictions, um, the easing back of restrictions due to COVID and vaccinations. And uh, so they feel like they've been left in the lurch now and that uh, they weren't able to uh, have this grand bargain.
0: Well, we reached out to the executive office for an explanation on their side of the story. Still waiting for that. David, what is your take on this story? Look at the governor has been saying for how long we need to work together. Here was a chance to bring the three of them. I mean, if she had done that, would that have gotten your attention?
3: Yeah, I think anytime, you know, when there's a compromise in Lansing that everybody sits up. But I do think it's worth noting that the Republicans are upset. A lot of what Kyle mentioned is about timing. And like, you'll hear that some, there's some pushback on the specifics of what's in that, that rollback, but no Democrats <clears throat> will say Republicans have wanted easing of restrictions tied to metrics for months and that's what they got. And uh, we also have sourcing telling us that there's a key part of this plan, the governor's plan that ties rolling back those restrictions to getting the first dose of the vaccine as opposed to the second dose of the vaccine. And that was an idea from Republicans. And so she incorporated those ideas. Now it's a completely fair question to ask why she just didn't give Republicans credit for that idea, or how these two uh, three offices couldn't just coordinate a press conference together. I mean, I have sources telling me that they were working on joint language of an announcement before the governor, as, as Kyle noted, just came out and, and made the announcement. So there are questions, but but again, the Democrats would say they essentially got what they wanted when it came to metrics and restrictions.
0: Lauren,
4: yeah, I think from a public perspective, uh, there might be confusion about some of this ongoing. Um, Backlash because you know there have been calls, as Dave mentioned, uh, for metrics for quite some time, and now there are metrics. I think it comes down to fundamentally Republicans are um, at this point upset that the metrics don't include anything other than the first dose of vaccinations, and we're seeing you know a lot of interest in other metrics and a lot of concerns, especially from Republican leadership about uh, vaccine hesitancy for that last, uh, that last bit of the population there. Um, so they would like to see, you know, some hospitalization metrics, a few other uh, benchmarks to get that reopening process going. Um, but from a from a public standpoint, um, it might be confusing for people to, to still be hearing about disagreements when I, at least, you know, from the front-facing perspective, you know there are metrics in place now. Um, that said, I do think that this does continue to complicate. Uh, budget negotiations uh, continues to complicate the ongoing relationship between the governor and the Republican the Republican legislature.
0: Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but did we not hear from the executive office that they basically said, well, if these two guys wanted to show up, uh, all they had to do was call. The question would be, if you're the governor trying to promote bipartisanship, why don't you pick up the phone and call them?
2: No, you're exactly right. I mean, the story that's going to be going on for the next couple of weeks is, and maybe the next couple of months, is trying to get these last few people, and I shouldn't use the word few, but getting these last bunch of people vaccinated. And Republicans have said, hey, if you want to reach these people, the best way to reach these people is to have us come and join you at a press conference and urge them to go get vaccinated. People like Mike Shirky and Jason Wentworth, who represent a Republican caucus, whose views are aligned basically with people who are hesitant about getting the vaccination, if just not flat out opposed to it at this point. They gotta try and crack these people. The vaccination numbers in Michigan have been going down since the beginning of um, April. It's like three or four weeks of vaccination numbers actually going down. Uh, The the ability to get at that 70% of the population vaccinated, which the governor now says is needed in order to basically go back to normal, uh, appears to be getting harder and harder. And so there has to be an attempt to get these people. And if the Republicans uh, want to join the governor, that's one way they say they could have done it.
0: By the same token, I did hear from an inside source in the Republican House caucus that the phones are ringing off the hook, that people are calling Republicans and say, oh, now in order to get back to normal, we have to get a shot. Please. Uh, So that is you're right. It aligns with what the Republican leadership has wanted. But be careful for what you wish for. What's the end game here, uh, David? Do they get uh, do they put Humpty Dumpty back together again after this missed opportunity, allegedly?
3: Yeah, they definitely do. I mean, there's there's plenty of hypocrisy to go around. There's um, but there's also plenty of need. And at the end of the day, there are billions of dollars that could be distributed uh, essentially next week. That help people not lose their homes, put food on the table, help schools ensure that they get kids back and and try to, uh, you know, eradicate any sort of learning loss from the pandemic, help businesses, small businesses stay open. I mean, that's that's what I hear about. You know, I hear from readers and and from from other people about why are they fighting in Lansing when there is billions of dollars that were sent not only by Democratic President Joe Biden, but by the Congress under Republican President Trump. And the Republicans and the the governor can't figure that out. And so, yeah, I think that there's going to, you know, the pressure isn't going away to to try and figure out how to use that. And so they're going to come together not only on that money, but also on some of the other issues. All
0: right, Lauren, let's turn the page and talk about COVID passports, which do not exist in Michigan. The administration says we're not going there, but you've got a lot of Republicans on the House Oversight Committee taking testimony yesterday on proposed legislation to ban something that doesn't exist.
4: Yeah, you saw it during yesterday's committee hearing um, a lot of the vaccine hesitancy or anti-vaccination views being discussed. Um, It was, um, yes, it was a debate over a policy proposal that has not been proposed. Uh, The governor's administration has said they're not looking into it. Um, you know, Democratic legislative leaders have said they're not uh, thinking that that's a priority at this juncture to require um, in some form vaccinations uh, for various services or to be able to go to businesses. Um, But Republicans have preemptively had this conversation um, and are saying that they don't want to see these requirements go in place. Um, And and there was a lot of uh, you know, there were several people who came forward who um, brought forward basically debunked ideas about what vaccinations are um, and what they do. Uh, there wasn't a ton of, you know, there wasn't a ton of uh, opportunity, I guess, for lawmakers to question some of those ideas. So we were we were seeing at, at the legislative level, um, you know, kind of just a lot of of airing of concerns about vaccines
0: david it was made clear in the committee that this proposal would have nothing to do with businesses or the detroit tigers of imposing their own restriction that says show me your card that you've had vaccinated come on in and watch the tigers lose that could still go on what this proposal says is government can't issue a document what square that for me what's the diff
3: yeah, I think there's a there's a good point you raised. There's a there's a difference between you know a government issuing something that would be deemed a vaccine passport or providing an incentive for somebody to to require a, a so-called vaccine passport and preventing a business from doing it. I will say that the committee yesterday had a different bill than the bill sponsor who was working on a substitute. And so they were fighting over language that was different. They were looking at a different piece of legislation, which I mean, given, as Lauren said, just a slew of misinformation and, frankly, lies about what vaccines do and don't do, plus the fact that the lawmakers on the committee weren't even looking at the same bill as the lawmaker who was introducing it, led to just a ton of confusion. And, you know, earlier, Kyle mentioned that House Republicans and Senate Republicans say, if we want to get these people to get vaccinated who are hesitant, that we all need to come together on a stage the House Republicans just give a massive platform to people who are spewing misinformation on vaccines. So they're kind of losing some of this high ground on this idea of getting people who are hesitant to get vaccines if they're bringing in people who are spewing conspiracy theories. It doesn't really square.
0: Kyle, however, is there not a potential of discrimination here? There may be some people that simply can't get the vaccine. Do we need them to get a note from their mother in order to get into their favorite bar or restaurant or, or uh, events like that? Well, that's
2: certainly an argument that was brought up in committee. Um, you know, I think they have to be careful when they're putting something like this together because when you do get vaccinated, you you do have a card. I mean, I have a card that says that I've been vaccinated for X, Y, and Z. Uh, you need a card in order to travel internationally. Uh, it's not like this is a novel concept. Uh, for government to to say that government can't issue like a, maybe a different document or a formal document, I think is becoming a a talking point. I don't want to say a talking point, but this is an issue that Republicans can drum up to try and um, uh, capitalize, I think, on the fears and skepticism of people who are more likely to vote for them. You've seen this on other issues before, too, where they they uh, capitalize on issues, let's say like Common Core, um, and they've turned that into a huge boogeyman and was able to exploit it and for basically uh, political purposes. And I'm kind of feeling like this political passport idea is kind of the same thing. When the government already issues something that shows that you've had one vaccine of the Pfizer shot, and so now you've got your second Pfizer shot, Now you've got proof of it if you want it. So there is already something along those lines, and maybe it's not formally called a passport, um,
0: but it exists. All right, let's call in our guest right now to pursue this issue and others. With you, welcome uh, Justin Winslow to our uh, panel. Mr. Winslow, thank you. Good morning to you. How are you doing? Morning, Tim. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for doing the broadcast. We appreciate it. So if your phone rings after you do this show uh, this morning and one of your members says, look at what should I do? Should I make it mandatory for somebody to come into my eatery to have a shot? What are you telling them?
5: I mean, I think that's going to be an individual choice by the business. Uh, Like it's an individual choice to get the vaccine. You know, we've, we've been doing everything we can to promote that the vaccines are safe and effective, and they are the clearest and and best way to get this industry long term back on its feet, back operating uh, at 100 percent. And that is what this industry needs more than anything right now.
0: But you have a problem here. The governor has said she'll take away your curfews if you get more vaccinations. So if you told your members, stop them at the door, if they don't have a card, they don't come in, wouldn't you force people to get a shot?
5: I think we're a little more focused on incentivizing people and providing the reasons why it's a really good idea for them. It's it's challenging. And I think there are some legal complications for that owner uh, as well that they might run into that might make it more challenging than it is beneficial. But that said, we are still pushing and encouraging, not just all staff uh, working in this industry to get the vaccine, but, but guests as well, because it's going to We know that people want to return to restaurants. The data shows it very clearly. There's a pent-up demand to get out there. There's still a segment of the population that does not feel comfortable doing that yet, uh, especially indoors. We want to get there. I think the governor's plan creates some metrics and benchmarks for us to get there. Uh, We just need to do our best job to incentivize that to get there sooner. We don't want to miss another summer season.
0: So basically, you've got your fingers crossed.
5: (laughs) I'm hoping it's a little more effective and successful than that, but... Yeah, I mean, listen, I have genuine concerns we might not get to 70 percent, at least in the timeline, that is meaningful, especially for our event uh, side of the industry. Those who produce weddings and graduations and conferences, are they going to be able to do that uh, this season? And that's, that's a genuine concern.
0: Lauren.
4: Well, you started to get into my first question for you, Justin, which is are, are you concerned that having a vaccination only goalpost um, could continue to um, continue to make it difficult for businesses to, um, you know, to, to continue operating at limited capacity?
5: I think it's a worthy goal. I think we're finding with each passing day as these numbers go, go down. Uh, and I think Kyle mentioned that at the beginning of the show we're going to have a hard time getting where we need to be in a, in a, in a realistic timetable that helps this industry get out of the 14 month uh, plus morass that it's been in. So, you know, we pro- reproduced a plan in, in originally in December that ties uh, reopening a little bit more to uh, test positivity numbers. I think uh, le- the legislature has added that concept to that concept and, and created hospitalization numbers. I think both of those factors uh, are realistic because uh, it's going to be, I envision the scenario where we are stuck at 63 or 64% vaccination rate, but we're below 3% and had been for a couple of weeks now uh, of test positivity and caseloads, you know, continuing to decrease. Are we, are we going to continue to
3: stall at that point? I think we're going to need a mechanism to move forward. David. There's been a lot of reporting about uh, restaurants and other small businesses having a tough time filling all the jobs that they want to fill and getting getting people into work. What sort of evidence have you seen that you know any one factor is leading to that? Whether it's, I think we've heard a lot of anecdotes about people earning money off of unemployment, but I haven't seen any data indicating that's actually true. So is it wages? Is it problems getting seasonal workers into the state? What, what evidence do you have to support you know, businesses having a tough time filling jobs? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you referenced that that
5: you know any one variable. I think there are so many variables uh, at play here right now. I, I'm not going to. The number of people uh, that are taking supplemental unemployment benefits is a factor, but it is not a driving factor or even a leading factor. I think uncertainty around this industry right now uh, and whether it will remain open and when it will have the opportunity to return to 100% is a bigger driving force. And if you are someone who is making really good. Uh, tipped income in this in this industry before you just can't do that under the uh, the restrictions that we find ourselves right now. So that's that's playing into it as well. And listen, this is especially on the restaurant service side. This is about a seventy percent uh, female industry, and childcare has been an issue uh, for all industries. I think you feel it acutely in the restaurant industry.
2: Kyle. Justin, uh, what's the, the word you're getting on the street as far as enforcement? Uh, is uh, the state still enforcing the uh, capacity limitations at, at restaurants as vigilantly as they were earlier in the pandemic? That's a good question. I, and it would, my response it could only be anecdotal, but I
5: hear a lot less from members, sometimes frustrated members, about the degree of enforcement. Uh, I think there's been uh, a better understanding between local health departments and in some instances, even my OSHA uh, and and coming to a common understanding of what can happen and what can't uh, in in any given area. But but, yeah, I think, Kyle, to that to your point, I'm hearing a lot less now than I was hearing, let's say, in December, January and even February.
2: Because the reason I ask is because it does seem like there's some relaxation going on, both from state regulators and even restaurants, for that matter. I mean, I'm I'm seeing just personally and anecdotally as well situations where it certainly doesn't look like it's 50 percent capacity, and I, I just wonder if just naturally uh, people are relaxing a little bit. That's a good question. I don't have any evidence to suggest
5: one way or the other. Uh, I think I think almost everyone is exhausted, even the even those who are uh, charged with enforcing. Uh, some of these regulations 14 months in. Uh, but, I, you know, we're still pushing a message of safety. We produced a, uh, a platform for the, the legislature and the governor to spend some of these American Rescue Plan dollars that really points a lot and directs a lot of these resources at creating uh, a, a safe environment for customers and workers alike in this industry long term.
0: Mr. Winslow, did you see the group this week that was uh, lobbying your members to uh, to sign on to a program where they would send them documents that they could put on the tables beating up on Governor Gretchen Whitmer? You're a pretty savvy guy. Does that help you in your relationship with the governor if your members are putting that stuff on the table? Uh, She's not going to be too happy with that, is she?
5: I, I would imagine not. I don't I, I learned about that issue by reading about that issue. Uh, so not something we're engaged in or involved in at all. But no, I think that sets back the ability for us to have meaningful dialogue. And, and by the way, Tim, I think we have had some meaningful dialogue uh, that has that has produced results in the last couple of months, and I think that should be noted.
0: So did you get in touch with this group after you read this? First of all, what was your first reaction when you read it? Be honest.
5: Uh, is, is, a, is a heavy eye roll too, too much here? I mean, listen, there's,
0: there's, <laughs> Let's go there's legitimate frustrations
5: with how long this has gone on in the state of Michigan. And I can appreciate that. I just don't think uh, a stunt like this is necessarily getting us where we all want to go, which is reengaging, reintegrating the economy, letting restaurants uh, operate at 100 percent capacity.
0: So have you he- sent out a memo to your members? Don't go there.
5: I have not heard directly from any of my members that are engaged or involved in it, or I've even seen them in their own restaurants. So not to say it isn't happening, but it's not something that's bubbled up on our radar in terms of our
0: membership base. Well, how about a preemptive strike and say, knock it off?
5: Uh, I think this this would be one of those things where it's going to fizzle and fade on its own. It feels more like a one-day or two-day publicity stunt and something that's not going to be here for the long term.
0: David.
3: Justin, do you think... You know, there were a lot of restaurants and other small businesses that got PPP loans or other you know, public funds, and then for whatever reason, closed. Do you think that there should be any sort of apparatus for the government to get that money back? That's a good question. Uh, and and I think they
5: knew this was a possibility with PPP loans and the callback mechanisms are there within the PPP, whether they get all of those dollars back is is to be determined. But that's that's part of the risk reward that went into this process. There are a lot of restaurants that were desperate and hoping, and hoping the PPP would keep them afloat. And for a lot of people, it did, but not everyone. And they were still forced to close their doors. Uh, I imagine that the SBA will still continue uh, to to pursue those dollars. But you know, we saw this week the Restaurant Revitalization Fund launched. President Biden spoke about it in a press conference this week as well. 186,000 applications came in in 36 hours uh, for this $28 billion, which seems like a lot of money. But based on that demand, looks like maybe only 15% of applicants uh, are going to receive anything from that fund. So that demand is still there. The desire, the need to get some uh, federal support uh, to, to help bridge the time to when they can start operating at 100% still exists, especially in Michigan.
0: Lauren?
4: Uh, so initial data is showing, uh, and and this is going to pan out as restrictions lift, that, you know, unvaccinated people are going to be frequenting restaurants, they're going to be traveling and uh, using all of these options as uh, the restrictions begin to lift and capacity uh, limits increase. So what what can the industry do to um, convince, you know, staff or former, former people who are maybe concerned about reentering the job market in the industry that they're going to be protected and kept safe.
5: Yeah, I imagine PPP is going to be, or PPE is going to be a a process that's going to stay within this industry for the next several months, uh, as we get a little closer to herd immunity. And, and I hope that we get there. Uh, But I also think that the state government has a role to play here as well. It's just why we put out this document uh, with about a billion dollars of ideas of how this industry could be uh, helped and supported. One of those things is, is augmenting and supporting a program that government, the state government already put up about safer dining, and it's all tied to uh, the HVAC system and, and improving air quality for indoor establishments, not in just restaurants, but other places as well. I think if the state can use some of these dollars to subsidize uh, improving indoor air quality—that's a smart use of uh, of those dollars. That'll create the sort of uh, support from the general public uh, that they know that they can go indoors and, and eat safety safely, and it'll also promote safely safety, excuse me, uh, for the workforce in those restaurants
0: as well. Mr. Molin, uh,
2: Justin, did you happen to see Robert Gordon testify in front of the House Oversight Committee the other day? Uh, I, I, I caught a little bit of it, but I missed most of it. All right. Uh, did you catch the part where uh, he basically confirmed what we all suspected that his departure was linked to him and the governor going to war over whether restaurants should reopen in a quicker time frame? And if you did, I was curious what you thought about that. We, we long suspected that the governor didn't want to be as strict as her health director, um, and it ultimately resulted in him going out the door.
5: Yeah, I listen. I think the department is in much better hands now uh, under Director Hertel. It's much more communicative. Uh, That doesn't mean uh, the business community or restaurants necessarily get uh, what we're looking for every time. But the fact that we can have a dialogue is a major improvement. I think things we got very insular for a long period of time uh, from when in October, DHHS was able to take over uh, control of of these epi orders uh, until Director Gordon's departure, and, you know, and, I, and I think that, that the balance is better now of understanding societally what the right balance is uh, for safety and opportunity here. So I, you know, I think the governor got it right, and I think the department's operating in a, in a much more uh, sustainable mechanism now than it was under the Gordon era.
0: Mr. Winslow, can we report that you are in dialogue with this administration about adding those extra metrics, the hospitalization and positivity stuff to get us to a number where you could reopen? Are those talks going on?
5: Yeah, every day, (laughs) every day.
0: And what progress are you making?
5: Uh, I think a lot. And I think you're going to see some more in the coming days of a partnership where we're, we're engaged in helping get some of those vaccination numbers up. Uh, that we can help and prioritize making sure that as many people as possible working in the hospitality industry. Remember, even in our diminished capacity, this is still the second largest private employer in the state of Michigan. Uh, So helping get those numbers up within within the industry, I think, is going to help the industry get back on its feet sooner. Help us reach those metrics, those benchmarks of 65 and 70 percent that will mean so much to this industry. So the partnership is uh, frequent and uh, again, daily.
0: Sticky point. What's the main thing? 15 seconds.
5: Uh, It's it's the timeliness. You know, I I, I think we really need to find a way, a mechanism for the the event industry not to lose another wedding season. And how do we do that safely? It's going to be a big conversation in the
0: coming weeks. Very good. Thank you for not rolling your eyes. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Good to see you, sir. Also, thanks to Kyle and David and Lauren. Uh, We'll be right back here next week with more Off the Record. Hope to see you there.
1: Production of Off the Record is made possible in part by the following. Business Leaders for Michigan has a strategic plan to make Michigan a top 10 state in the nation for jobs, personal income, and a healthy economy. Learn more at Michigan's Road to Top10.com. For more Off the Record, visit WKAR.org. Michigan public television stations have contributed to the production costs of Off the Record with Tim Skubik.